Hey, everybody. You've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. And this is Josh. We will be chatting about Mayfair events from Friday, February 11th through Thursday, February 17th. Mm. We are still a city under siege. Yeah, we're still, as you can tell from the... I mean, the audio quality is okay, but comparatively, you know, it's not quite... I was one behind when I was listening before, so it's funny to listen, to go from an in-house one to a virtual one right afterwards, and you're like, ah, jeez, we're in the Matrix. Yeah, I sent it in. We are broadcast on a local Ottawa radio station called BlastTheRadio.com, and I apologize, and I said... This doesn't sound horrible, but it doesn't sound as good because we weren't in a nice acoustic Mayfair with our fancy (laughs) microphones. We were in separate houses at the 11th hour putting this together while horrible people were making loud honking noises in the distance. It was okay. Still sound fine, and I think we'll be okay today. This week, I remembered to record on separate audio tracks, Mm. so that'll be even extra levels of finicky editing on my part because I can cut out either or voice whereas last time we were stuck on the same track so you might have heard a bit more shuffling or coughing or little things (laughs) like that yeah weirdness which no one cares about but i'm so picky about on this kind of stuff i'm just blown away so do they play the podcast on a radio station is that what you're saying yeah blasttheradio.com they're one of the advertisers at the mayfair they're a local ottawa independent and you can go online at any time you want and listen to their station and they play music all day and they have hosts and they have a news segment and a sports segment and all that kind of stuff. But once a week, I am guilty of not knowing exactly when or if it's a floating time. <laughs> Very helpful. <laughs> yeah, but they actually play the podcast, so. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Like, I know of them. I've seen the ad and stuff and I know they exist, but I didn't know about this part, which sounds kind of bad being like, this will literally go out over their station. Me being like, oh, they play, you know, so that's going to go well. But, you know, we love them. They're great. I'm just like, that's that's so cool. And I've talked to them about it. Just I'm very guilty of being very much in the podcast world. So I know people who still sit and listen to certain radio God, I almost called it a radio podcast. (laughs) Who listen to radio shows, game shows especially, certain things like that. But for me, I'm very guilty of I want to listen to what I want to now and be Mm -hmm. able to pause it. And I always think about that, especially back in the day, if you were listening to whatever, your favorite show on CBC and you have driven to work or driven to school or the mall or whatever, and you can't stop it. Are you like, well, I'm going to sit in my car for an extra 60 seconds so I can listen to the end of this? Or are you just like, well, I don't get to hear the end of this? Or contest stuff where they're like, oh, the whatever caller or when we play the blank and you call in and you're like, I can't go into the mall yet. I haven't heard them play. It's raining men. Yeah. Or that I'm not of the age, even though when I was younger, radio was a thing as it still is. But I was never that listen at 6 p.m. and tell us what the magic word is and phone in to try to win (laughs) stuff. And I know that exists. I know that's a thing. Mm -hmm. Very cliche thing that you see on sitcoms or something. Somebody phoning in with the magic word, but... Yeah, I never even did that kind of thing. We should do that here. We should do some kind of guess the magic word on the podcast and win a prize. Phone in. <laughs> like a prank thing too, though. Is so we'll do it like we're doing it now, but it's not really live. So when they air it on Blast the Radio and someone's trying to call in, we're like, <laughs> yeah. I, did I get there in time? We're like, oh my God, this joke backfired. <laughs> yeah. Well, we should talk about, it's a good day to do a podcast. We will move on and not talk about what's going on in Ottawa because, you know, take a wild stab in the dark of what side of it that we're on. Yeah. But we'll talk about happy things because we have a lot of Mayfair movies to talk about this week, but also the Oscar nominations got released this morning 
And for the most part, I've been busy, so I haven't looked at a list. I kind of got little hints just being on social media for the Mayfair today. got little headlines of stuff, but for the most part, I haven't looked at the list. So mm-hmm. Eric and I, I just Googled Oscars 2022 list, and The Guardian came up. So if anybody wants to scroll along with us, that's what we're going to look at. This is like those Star Wars records where it's like, you'll know it's time to scroll the page. Yeah, every time you hear R2-D2 beep, (laughs) go to the next nomination list. Perfect. So, yeah, so as I said, from The Guardian, they have it in a weird order, but we're just going to scroll from the top. They start with Best Supporting Actress, Strange. Usually those are all kind of at the end of the list. Yeah, but cool, I I guess. (laughs) Yeah, so, God, Kirsten Dunst, Judi Dench, Ariana Dubois from West Side Story... King Richard, which we have on screen today. How about that? That's cool. You know what? I actually think they might be doing them in the order of how they're given out. Really? That's interesting. Isn't, isn't supporting actress the first one usually or something Maybe, like yeah. that? Maybe, yeah. Maybe they put that out as part of their press release of here's the order we're doing them in. Yeah, I wonder if I just guessed, like I cracked the code of how they're doing this. Yeah. It's always a crapshoot of guessing or favorite, but Judy Dench is hilarious because I think she gets nominated frequently. Yeah, I hadn't seen what they were nominated for when I saw the names. So I was like, oh, yeah, Judy Dench. I mean, it's Judy Dench. So <laughs> I agree. I didn't realize that Jesse Plemons and Kristen Dunst are actually a couple, and they were both nominated for their first time ever. That's pretty cool like to get that phone call. Yeah, did they meet on Fargo? Guess so. Yeah, I was trying to think of, but like, it's not like I would know. Like, I don't keep track of, I don't care about people's relationships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, I was, I just read about that this morning. I'm like, yeah, they must have, it must have been something like that. Yeah. I mean, they're both awesome. I haven't seen West Side Story, but Lee loves it. Oh, yeah. And it's cool that I read today that Spielberg is, well, I didn't see whether they said first director, but I'm assuming this must be first director. But he said he's been nominated for best director in six decades now. Oh, wow. That makes him sound like 100 years old. Doesn't it? I was like, (laughs) that that doesn't seem, I mean, it's good, but it's also like. Well, he was really young for Jaws. Mm -hmm. Okay, so so that's the best supporting actress. I don't even pick a favorite because I admittedly haven't seen some of these. I know we have West Side Story and Belfast are very likely on the horizon at the Mayfair. Yeah. Kirsten Dunst would be nice. I like Kirsten Dunst. Yeah, I'll admit I don't really recognize some of the names, but I'm assuming that the sporting actress for King Richard is one of the Williams sisters, I would imagine. Well, not the actual one, but the actress. Yeah. And it's funny, like we watched Nightmare Alley the other day, and it was interesting because that is such a costume design cinematography type movie, you know, like. And... Yeah, that's next on the list is costume design, and it's do Nightmare Alley, West Side Story, Cyrano, Cruella. So that's all worthy for sure. Mm-hmm. That's what I was saying. Like, that's a wide open category. I got to say. Cruella was one of those movies that just, you know, when we're watching a lot more because not going to work, not going in to watch movies, not going out to restaurants, etc. Watched Cruella just to watch it. Had no ill will towards it. Was like, ah, let's watch this. And I loved it. And then I found out it was the director of I, Tanya, And I was like, oh, that's why I really like this movie. But visually, especially for costume design, I think that might be a kind of a dark horse against some of the more highbrow movies because it had really awesome costumes in it. Yeah, and I could definitely see West Side Story taking that one, especially if it doesn't win Best Picture or Director or whatever. Like, I really don't know what to think about that movie because it seemed like people loved it, but it also seemed like it kind of, hesitate to say underperformed based on literally everything going on. But yeah, it's, I don't know, it, it seems kind of a like, I suppose not everyone loves musicals and maybe that's an element of it and Tick, Tick, Boom as well. You know, like it's going to be huge for some people. Some just will never watch a movie like that, my wife included. West Side Story seems to be like a lot of Oscar-type movies, a movie that everyone who sees it loves it, 
just not many mm. people see it. And I yeah. know especially in the past 10, 20 years, the Oscars are on this run of the movies that win don't make a lot of money. And mm-hmm. it's always the proof that just because a movie flops, just because a movie doesn't catch on. So it, it is nice. I mean, this is a Spielberg movie, so it's <laughs> that, that a movie that doesn't do well will still get some recognition because theoretically that could help it sell a few more tickets down the line, especially if we end up getting it in the next couple of weeks. That'd be excellent for us. With Lee's attachment to it, I feel like there's a pretty decent chance he'll be pushing for it. Yeah, and, and it's a movie like that, it's almost better when it flops for us, which is so strange mm-hmm. to say, but just considering the Mayfair Theater being this tiny little theater, if a movie flops and the multiplex doesn't want it, then we get it way faster. And because we're only concerned with our community, we're not selling 5,000 tickets a night. We don't got to be concerned about multiple screens in multiple cities. 50 people come, 100 people come for a show. That's great. And yeah. a lot of people clearly haven't seen it. So there's probably a lot of people who come to the Mayfair who didn't go to see it at the multiplex, but might be more apt to be like, oh, yeah, it's a Friday night. I'll go see a movie like that. It got a bunch of nominations. Yeah. And I mean, something like Licorice Pizza is a perfect Mayfair type movie because it's like it's never going to be a blockbuster and a lot of people do want to see it. And I just picture it and or like Belfast, something like that. You know, like there's a lot of these that are total. I guess I already am rooting for us as it is, but I feel like that's a type of movie that would really be played better in a cinema like Mayfair. Oh, for sure. Next up on the list is Best Sound. Belfast Dune, No Time to Die, Power of the Dog, West Side Story. Is that the only Bond nomination? Oh, it might be. <laughs> Things like this for technical stuff, it's always... You can't look at it and be like, I disagree, that one had bad sound. <laughs> They're all amazing, so it's just interesting to see if they go with the more real-world biography-type thing of Belfast or mm-hmm. a big epic sci-fi like Dune or a big action movie like No Time to Die or West Side Story, which I'm sure is just layers of oh yeah of music and song and then the actual world around it. You never look at a best sound thing and go, you don't deserve that. No, I feel like for me, it's probably between Dune and West Side Story, I would think. And that's kind of just because I loved Dune. It'd be cool to see it win Best Picture. I don't really see that. But I do think that they want to honor it. Like, not that it's a specific, like, you don't want to get into stuff like that. But it does seem some years that there's the throw them a bone awards where they, you know, give a thing. For sure. Or like, oh, here's, you know, sound editing. So they get something. You're not going to win Best Picture, but we still like you. So here's a couple Oscars. Exactly. And like you said, with West Side Story, it's just that's such a sound based movie that, you know, I'm sure that that's probably a top of the list at this point. Original score. It doesn't list the people who did it, it just lists the movie. Don't look up Dune, Encanto, Parallel Mothers, The Power of the Dog. So again, it's always like, are you going with the big epic? Are you going with the Disney movie or something mm-hmm. smaller like The Power of the Dog? I think Encanto might get the music stuff. I think it might get Lin-Manuel Miranda, his... EGOT at a very young mm-hmm. age because I'm pretty I sure he's already got Tony, Grammy, Emmy so he just needs his Oscar and mm-hmm. he's done yeah well I mean as much as I love the people I recognize on that list I really felt French Dispatch got robbed on this one the score in that is so good Alexandra Desplat did such a good job yeah I always wonder with movies like that and every year and again we're just looking at the list I'm sure there's articles out there saying who was robbed already but it's every year. Every year, there's some great movie that you're like, oh, that didn't get hit. And sometimes it's just like, oh, they might have been in sixth place. Or it's just a little movie that nobody saw. And most people 
even people voting for the Oscars are just people. And a lot of them are like, yep, I saw Encanto on Disney Plus. I'm going to vote for that. <laughs> True. Yeah. And it's hard when there's something like, I don't want to spoil or anything, but to see Last Night in Soho get nothing or French Dispatch get nothing, stuff like that, where you're just sort of like, I get it. You can only shout out as many movies as fit in a category. But at the same time, you're like, nothing, nothing and really at all, you know? It's funny to talk about Edgar Wright because Scott Pilgrim is one of my go-to examples for that kind of thing where Scott Pilgrim is hands down one of my favorite movies of all time mm, same. and it got zero Oscar nominations but it doesn't make me love it any less you know so <laughs> yeah it's true I mean that should have been nominated in every category but I mean <laughs> one thing at a time like even just being realistic it should have been nominated for effects and sound you know mm -hmm. it should have at least got a couple of those things but nothing so i mean we've been beating this for however a decade or more however long it's been now yeah oh yeah 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 and for it to happen again to edgar wright it's like i think he's one of those people almost scorsese-esque is maybe in 20 years he'll get an oscar but i think he has a long career ahead of him still definitely well and i could see him doing you know if he wanted to do an oscar bait straight up oscar bait movie he easily could and it would be good yeah. but i mean i really respect that he literally does what he wants and he makes the kind of movies he wants to make because no one else is making that kind of stuff yeah okay next adapted screenplay so we're already seeing a lot of the same movies pop up power of the dog lost daughter dune Coda and Drive My Car. Drive My Car, I don't know much about, but I just know it's supposed to be great. I think mm -hmm. that's on the horizon at the Mayfair. Yeah, Power of the Dog, Lost Daughter. They're like smaller films that are getting a lot of buzz. Yeah, they've been apparently like the acting of both is just phenomenal. And this might be an example. Adaptive screenplay, you look over the years, routinely the smaller independent film will win Best Adapted Screenplay or Best Screenplay. And mm -hmm. then actor actress director picture go to the bigger ones so yeah. often that's one where something sneaks in like coda will win that one because everyone's like yep it's a great movie we want to give you at least one oscar mm -hmm. although i mean i gotta you know i don't know that it will win it probably won't but the fact that dune is dune like what they were able to do with that is just phenomenal not to take anything away from any of the other movies on this list but i don't even know how you would go about making a screenplay or two screenplays out of a book like that and having it work so well like that's crazy well and especially that it already had a very big flop of a movie <laughs> and a number of tv miniseries and stuff mm -hmm. all of which didn't work and so for it to finally work it's both an example that quote-unquote remakes aren't always a bad thing and that sometimes giving it another kick at the can sometimes works out yeah well and even if somehow the second one is a complete bomb awful failure of a movie which i don't think it will be but you know even if it is it still it reminds me of it chapter one kind of thing dune chapter one whatever you want to call it those were phenomenal adaptations of great material that had previous adaptations that were so so shall we say so i mean it does work and, but i'm just impressed any Villeneuve can seemingly do no wrong yeah, I love him both just as a person. He seems like a really cool guy and he's Canadian and, and he yeah. he's works with great people. And, mm -hmm. and just an example of someone who really brings his A game, even when doing something like a Blade Runner sequel that somebody else might not care as much for. Like he really cares about the source material. And from what I understand yeah. with Dune, he's a super Dune nerd. Like <laughs> he, he knew what he wanted this movie to be. He wasn't just going mm -hmm. in as a hired gun or anything. No, and it looks like that, too, watching it. You can tell his fingerprints are all over everything. Oh, and also, it's cool, I want to say, that Maggie Gyllenhaal wrote the screenplay for Lost Daughter. I actually didn't realize that. Yeah, I got to see that. That's supposed to be really good. It's one of those heavy indie films. 
anything with Olivia Coleman in, I will trust that is going to be a good film or something that everybody's trying their best at that has had the best of intentions <laughs> of being a good film. That's just as good sometimes. Okay, so now we're in the weeds a bit. Next up is Best Animated Short and Best Live Action Short. You skipped original screenplay. Oh, did I? Oh, I scrolled too far. What have I done? <laughs> you jerk. I'm scrolling back. Best Original Screenplay, Belfast, Don't Look Up, Licorice Pizza, King Richard, The Worst Person in the World. That's interesting that King Richard counts as an original screenplay when it's based off of a true story. Huh. Yeah, and I guess I would have thought that was based on a book, possibly, too. Yeah, that's weird. Logan, a couple years ago, counted as an adapted screenplay, even though it wasn't adapted from a specific comic book, but just mm -hmm. because the character was from a comic book. So sometimes there's weird little rules like that for adapted and original yeah, that's really, I hadn't even thought about that until you brought it up, and now it's kind of breaking my brain. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's strange. Got, again, I don't know, Paul Thomas Anderson. I haven't seen it yet, but I always love what he does. Yeah, we'll give it to him. I've heard that these are all good, but, well, I didn't really like Don't Look Up, but that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but the worst person in the world, I really don't know much about, but I, I keep seeing good things about And sometimes they will, it's not right. It shows you why awards don't really mean anything in the grand scheme of things because sometimes people will be like adam mckay already got one so mm -hmm. sometimes that'll happen too where they'll be like you don't need another one we'll give it to somebody else so sometimes in that case the writer of king richard or the worst person in the world might sneak in because people are like ah let's let somebody else have one and not to make it a thing but i really find it hard to believe that don't look up is better writing than pig yeah just not to make it a thing, but I think that if we're, if we're talking original screenplays that stick the landing and are well-written throughout and aren't an hour too long, just saying. It's just like high school politics or real-life politics where bigger budget for advertising, getting the movie into people's hands, mm -hmm. having a movie that people sometimes just know the name of the person who did it, mm -hmm. a familiarity where they're like, yep, Kenneth Branagh is always good, yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson's always good. There's been all kinds of reports of people admitting, oh, yeah, I didn't even see Licorice Pizza yet, but I like Paul Thomas Anderson. <laughs> That's just an example. But over the years, I've heard that kind of thing where none of this is truly objective because mm -hmm. there's always people saying something got robbed. Yeah. There's always people saying, I didn't even like that movie. I gave it two out of five stars and it's up for best pictures. Awards are fun and sometimes they can be good for the industry. Sometimes they can be good for the Mayfair. They draw people in because the publicity of nominations. But there's never going to be a year where people are like, yep, that's 100% right from top to bottom. No, and it's like the Grammys too, where you're just like, oh, I recognize that name, which is why Steely Dan and Santana cleaned up both those years. Just right. Not, not to stereotype the types of people that are voting on these things, but there's a reason that the people they've heard of keep winning. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now we're going to talk about the short stuff. Right. Horrible, but of course, I haven't seen any of the live action shorts. <laughs> no. And the animated shorts, though, I've seen... Robin Robin, because that is an Ardman animation Christmas short that I got oh. to see. It's on Netflix, and it's amazing. Everything Ardman animation does is amazing. So I saw that one. That's your front runner right now. Yeah, that's my front runner because <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> Perfect. Sometimes they do those packages where you can watch a whole bunch of them where they put them out theatrically, but mm -hmm. we, yeah. we don't have that. No, and it's and I gotta be honest, like I don't really watch shorts in general, like nothing against them. I've just it's just kind of a thing I've I, you know I never thought about it before, but then I'm like I watch movies, I watch TV, and that's about it. Like, I, and you'd think I would watch more shorts because they're short, but I just I don't seem to. Animated shorts have that tradition, which I'm glad is clinging to life still. You'll see a short in front of a 
Pixar movie or a Warner Brothers animated movie. So that is an example of them still being out there, them still being seen. But live action shorts, they're really done for the most part as a calling card often, like look what I did and to get it into festivals and things. But most people do not see short films on the big screen. It's really at film festivals sometimes a lot of them don't get seen by a lot of eyeballs because they're really used to show that you can do it and then it's used to kind of try to get yourself to that next step. Mm -hmm. It works very much sometimes. I think sometimes on TV channels, sometimes you'll see shorts pop up here and there, live action shorts. But for the Mayfair, it's usually local. There's a thing called Digi60. There's one coming up soon at the Mayfair called Shits and Giggles, which is a comedy film festival. That kind of stuff. In the works for two years. Yeah, those poor bastards. They, they <laughs> were set to screen at the Mayfair the night we shut down for Pandemic Part 1. Yeah. For Lockdown Part 1. They were the first cancelled show of the pandemic. Yeah, and they were very nice to be understanding of <laughs> what was going on in the world. Yeah, it was weird, but uh, at least it's going to happen. Yep. Next up, Best Supporting Actor. So you've got Siren Hines from Belfast, Troy Kautzer from CODA, so names I do not know. You nailed the names, though. And then Jesse Plemons, J.K. Simmons, and Cody Smith-McPhee from Power of the Dog. I gotta see this Power of the Dog. Yeah, I think he's the plays the kids in it. Apparently, he's incredible. So, J.K. Simmons, for being the Ricardos, that's the always interesting thing of Once Upon a Time, that would have technically been a TV film. Mm -hmm. But now, and I, I embrace this world, is that I'm like, a movie's a movie. It's two hours long. It's got these actors in it. You used cameras to make it. Yeah, that's a movie. <laughs> that's very interesting, because that's the first one that jumps out to my brain that that would have been considered a TV movie not long ago, and now it's got Oscar nomination. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like it has many other nominations apart from that, but we've established it was sort of wishy-washy, the reviews on that, but it did seem like the acting itself was very good, so I don't know. I know there was a little bit of controversy with that movie, and I haven't seen it myself, but we love J.K. Simmons when he's trying to get pictures of Spider-Man. Oh, I love J.K. Simmons. <laughs> It'd be nice if Jesse Plemons and Kristen Dunst won this. It would be a nice mm -hmm. like go home with a pair of Oscars for them. Yeah, and I mean, Plemons is awesome. Again, they're both awesome, but I really feel like he's pretty underrated these days. Like, he's had so many really so memorable good. roles. Yeah, like, in just a game night, I think, stuff like that. It was just such an underrated performance. Did we first see him on Breaking Bad? Yeah, because he was Meth Damon, they called him, because he looks oh, a yeah. bit like Matt Damon, but messed out. So it's not nice, but hey. <laughs> Next up is editing your favorite movie, Don't Look Up. Oh, yeah, love it. Dune, King Richard, another one for Power of the Dog, and Tick, Tick, Boom. And yeah, and Tick, Tick, Boom as well. That I think that's the first one we've seen so far for that. Yeah, and Tick, Tick, Boom, first time feature film director with Lin-Manuel Miranda. Then you've got Dune, this big epic film. King Richard, I'm surprised. It's good, but King Richard, I didn't think was going to, again, even though Will Smith's in it, not a big hit type film. Mm -hmm. And seems to really have garnered a bunch of nominations. You know, don't look up. I feel like the editing could have tightened that up by quite a bit. But, uh, you know, you know, I didn't pick it to go in there. So obviously I'm not the one to ask. But I think it's impressive Dune to be able to even assemble a cut that isn't five hours or whatever like, and have it work. I think that's pretty impressive. Next up, makeup and hair. Funny, coming to America. Oh, I man. Think, I think coming <laughs> to America won the Oscar 20 years ago, didn't it? Oh, for did best, it? For best makeup? I'm pretty sure. That's cool. That would be really fun. Cruella, which I thought was great, Dune, and then two more real-world type movies that were filled with makeup, Eyes of Tammy Faye and House of Gucci. Yeah. I always kind of look at that, because I remember a couple years ago, 
a few movies might have won for a singular portrayal. Yeah, like Darkest Hour, I think, did. Yeah, but I'm like, if you got something like a Star Wars, like a Planet of the Apes, where there's dozens of people in makeup, Mm -hmm. I always think they should win. (laughs) Yeah, like a Dune-type film. (laughs) Yeah, and Cruella was a lot of characters. It kind of had a cartoonish vibe, very over-the-top. And Coming to America, I think, once again, it's the same thing as the original, where it was Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall playing various characters. Yeah, and so, I mean, in a way, that could be a front-runner if you're just basing it off the category itself, but I honestly don't know, because I could also see Oscars feeling like they don't... I don't want to be cruel or anything, but, you know, they might want to feel like that movie is a bit beneath them or something. If they could give it to, say, like, uh, House of Gucci when you're giving it to, like, a Ridley Scott-type film, or Eyes of Tammy Faye that's really well-reviewed. Like, it's it almost seems like Coming to America is the odd duck in that category. It depends, because sometimes it might get the vote because... They're not voting for the screenplay. They're not voting for mm-hmm. the cinematography. They're, if they're being true, they're voting just for the makeup. So mm-hmm. sometimes you get a weird movie that sneaks in on a category like that that would never win Best Picture or whatever. Yeah. Animated feature. Oh, this is all mm. good stuff. Encanto, <laughs> Flea, Luca, Mitchells versus the Machines, Rhea, and The Last Dragon. Encanto is pretty amazing. My heart belongs to the Mitchells versus the Machines. Of course. We'll see if Lord and Miller can win another animated feature Oscar for this one because they won for Spider-Verse. It's interesting to see Flea in there. I knew it was at least partially animated. I didn't realize it was fully animated, but it's funny. It's such an adult movie in comparison to because usually best animated feature, you kind of think kids movie, like just in general, because it tends to be. Yeah. The Disney movie wins every year, every year. Yeah. And it's weird to see something that's up for best documentary also be in best animated. Like I don't really know the last time that's ever happened maybe this is the first but yeah it's it's sometimes like a more mature anime type film or a more mature animated film will sneak in there but then sometimes yeah like you know it's shrek but i think in the last few years they've been better at reaching out a bit more and realizing that they should not just nominate the first shrek and kung fu panda that crosses their path but there's other stuff out there yeah it makes me wonder if waking life was up for that award back in the day does that count as animation like rotoscoping I think it does. I can't remember if that was before this category even happened. That might have been like right on the cusp of that. That's true. That was 2001. It's a little as sort of not old as it feels like. It's over 20 years old. Yeah, yeah. Documentary feature, Flea, Summer of Soul, Writing with Fire, Attica, Ascension. Summer of Soul is the only one I'm familiar with, to be honest, because that's the one that Questlove directed about Mm -hmm. the long lost footage of the best concert of all time. Yeah, and that's so cool. I mean, that to me, as I said, I've heard Flea is just phenomenal. I just haven't gotten around to seeing it. I'm sure these are all very good, but those are the only two that I had heard of. But and I love Questlove, so it's hard not to be rooting for him. But If I had a vote, I'd just be like, yeah, this is Questlove's <laughs> chance at yeah. getting an Oscar. <laughs> One for Questlove, please. You're like, I don't, that's not what this is. Best documentary short. Sorry, everybody. We oh, haven't geez. seen any of you. We wish you the best. And, well, I like uh, the Queen of Basketball. It mentions basketball. Oh, yeah. You might like that one. Maybe it's I've about... never heard of it. I'm guessing it's about a woman playing basketball. Hey, I'm in. You had me at basketball <laughs> documentary short. Okay. Best original song. You have Be Alive from King Richard. You have Das Agrita from Encanto. Down to Joy, Belfast. No Time to Die from No Time to Die. Hey, another one. Somehow You Do from Four Good Days. I don't know what Four Good Days is. I was about to say, what the <laughs> hell is that? <laughs> is that a real movie? That's funny that Encanto only got one. I thought it might have a shot of splitting the vote and getting a couple of nominations. 
Well, it's because they screwed up. They didn't submit We Don't Talk About Bruno, which has turned into a worldwide smash. What? Really? And they didn't submit it, and so it's not up for an Oscar, even though it would have instantly won. Wow, that's that's dumb. <laughs> yeah. who, who got fired for that? Yeah, I don't know. It was something weird. I'm not exactly sure how that came about, but yeah, that was the deal. Just they kind of screwed up, and that's why they only have one in there. And it still may win. I don't really have a front runner. I guess I've only heard No Time to Die. <laughs> and then I guess Tick, Tick, Boom doesn't count because they weren't original yeah. to the movie, right? They were from the Broadway show? Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, because it was a weird little reverse loophole or whatever. That's why sometimes in a movie like Chicago or the live action Beauty and the Beast, they will make an original new song as Oscar mm-hmm. bait because they want to try to get another Oscar nomination. Yeah, I think Lin-Manuel is going to get this. I think he'll complete his EGOT run. Yeah, I remember back in the day, St. Elmo's Fire wasn't eligible because it wasn't actually about the movie, even though they wrote it for the movie. That's another weird loophole where they're like, oh, yeah, it's just a song with the title. You don't really mention anything to do with the movie whatsoever. So you can't have your Oscar, which is which is a shame because that's a pretty good, good track. Cinematography, Dune, Nightmare Alley, Power of the Dog, Tragedy of Macbeth, West Side Story. Sure, any of them. Give them one. Tragedy of Macbeth, I guess that is one that people kind of thought might get 10 or 11 noms. And I think that's the first one we've seen. That is, yeah. And I know it's like really pretty black and white cinematography in that. Well, to be honest, yeah, you're right. I think any of these could win. Nightmare Alley, the cinematography is excellent. But honestly, yeah, that's a tough one. I suppose they might give it to someone who got nothing else if someone gets shut out of the other categories. International feature, Drive My Car, Flea, Hand of God, Lunana, and Worst Person in the World. Worst Person in the World is getting a lot of buzz. Mm-hmm. And Flea, Drive My Car. So yeah, any of these could win. But I want to know more about a yak in the classroom. Yeah, I'm like, what, what the hell? So, <laughs> so is this like, because it's definitely not what I'm picturing. So yeah. I can only imagine what the movie actually is. Just rolling along because I think we're going to get kicked off sooner or later here. I've been paying attention, but I know it gives us a 10 minute warning sooner or later. True. We're doing good though so far. Yeah. Production design. All the same people. Dune, Nightmare Alley, Power of the Dog, Tragedy of Macbeth, West Side Story. That's hilarious. That is the exact same as cinematography. <laughs> That's pretty funny. And it's understandable, too. I mean, especially with, you know, like Dune, Nightmare Alley, and West Side Story, for sure, those three. But you never even know. It could just turn around and we're like, ah, oh, Macbeth needs one. Here's this. Uh, this is funny. Visual effects is always funny because it's always my favorite movies that get one nomination. Yeah, the fun stuff. Yeah, you got... I like that they did five because some years they'll do three. And I'm like, what about this movie? What about that movie? But it seems this year they're better at rounding it up to five in each category. Dune, Free Guy... Shang-Chi, No Time to Die, and Spider-Man. Oh, No Time to Die got another one. And Spider-Man. Oh, that's that's fun. Like, I, I don't know. Free Guy, the effects were excellent. I wonder purely, like, not that the biggest matters, but I would guess that from front to back, Dune probably has the most effects. Spider-Man, I guess you could argue, and also because it resuscitated the box office for a lot of places, you know, so I don't know if that yeah. means anything. That's interesting, though, because these are all smash hit movies. And I think this is a good example. They're all good movies. Not to throw it under a bus, but there's not a Fast and the Furious sneaking its way in here. You know, there's not a Transformers sneaking their way in here. Like these seem to be all good actual movies where sometimes it's just a bad movie with good effects in there. Yeah, Moonfall didn't make its way into there. Moonfall. Oh, I could (laughs) rant about Moonfall. I love that Roland Emmerich seems to be a guy who's just, oh, Marvel movies are ruining things. Star Wars movies are ruining things. And I'm like, didn't you direct Godzilla? Yeah. What What are you complaining about? Yeah, he's got a couple of duds under his belt there. And he's mad about remakes and stuff. And I'm like, you did a sequel to Independence Day. You did a remake of Godzilla. Oof. 
come on. <laughs> yeah, his filmography is not flawless. No, and then this comes out and just no one cares. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Now we're on to the big guns. Heavy hitters. Best actress, Jessica Chastain, Olivia Coleman, Penelope Cruz, Nicole Kidman. Oh, there's Beanie Ricardos and Kristen Stewart. So who's new here? Just Kristen Stewart, right? Everybody else has one. I think so, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's a stacked category. And I mean, a lot of people suspected Kristen Stewart would be up for this basically since that movie came out. I'm coming into this unresearched as per normal, but Penelope Cruz has one, right? I think she does. I want to say yes. A piece of side info you haven't asked for, though, is Penelope Cruz and Javier Bardem are also a couple. I didn't realize that. And they're both nominated. It's not their first nomination, so I know she's definitely no. been nominated. Yeah. I think she did win. Because Jessica Chastain, Coley, Olivia Coleman's got one. Nicole Kidman's got one. Yeah, that's a stacked category. Kristen Stewart for Spencer. I thought Spencer was great. Kristen Stewart was just immersed in that role mm -hmm. especially that anytime you see Kristen Stewart in real life you see her and she's just this kind of like funny quirky shy woman and then you mm -hmm. see her do these roles and you're just like oh you're an actor <laughs> like she, yeah. you're, you're very talented even did you see that underwater movie she did yeah oh yeah that was fun too like I yep. mean it's not for everyone and it, it is what it is but like to see her in there and buy into it is so fun yeah and I was sad that Charlie's Angels didn't work because I really would have liked that to have a couple more movies, but yeah, eh, it didn't work. But hey, an Oscar is just as good. <laughs> yeah. So that's Best Actress. I think she has a shot at that. Best Actor, Javier Bardem, Benedict Cumberbatch, Andrew Garfield, Will Smith, and Denzel Washington. That's so funny because right Man. now we're playing The Electrical Life of Louis Wayne, and that's the one I thought was going to get nominations, but maybe that's technically a 2022 film. So this is another Benedict movie that he's getting a lot of praise for. Yeah. No, he's supposed to be excellent in, uh, yeah, in that movie. I mean, she's, we can just keep saying that the movies that have been nominated 10 times are supposed to be good, but it yeah. should be obvious, <laughs> I guess. There's no not Cronenberg crash this year for me to mm -hmm. be angry at for getting a bunch of nominations. Best Director, Kenneth Branagh. Drive My Car, that is a hard Wait, name that's... to pronounce. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't think that's the guy's name, but all right. <laughs> Mr. Drive My Car, I'm just going by that. That's funny. You are not wrong, though. It literally, I'm looking at it. It literally says the director's name is Drive My Car. I'm going to say his name is... Go for it. Ryusuke Hamaguchi. Yeah, I think you got it right, actually. I think that's close. That was good. For a white guy, that's close, and I apologize. You're doing your best. Paul Thomas Anderson, Jane Campion, and Spielberg. Mm -hmm. Spielberg doesn't need another one. No, it'll be interesting to see where they go with this because this could break any way, like for literally any of them. I wouldn't at all be shocked to see him get it, but... P.T. Anderson needs an award. He's been yeah. nominated so many times. I imagine the direction in that is very good as is in all of his movies, so... <laughs> yeah, Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, like, I, again, I haven't seen it, but I've heard it might be Jane Campion's year. I heard Power of the Dog is pretty great. I'm on Team Drive My Car, a.k.a. Ryusu Kamaguchi, because I'm pulling for the underdog. I haven't seen the movie, but screw it. I'm going for him. For these kind of things where women and non-white dudes have been ignored for so long, I really am always like... And, and it's not that they are not talented, of course. It's Jane Campion. So I'm always like, yep, forget Spielberg. Give it to her. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, Paul Thomas Anderson, I love him, and he still doesn't have one. But again, he'll probably have another shot because every movie he makes gets a bunch of nominations. So Yeah. And then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They did. Okay, yeah. Somebody told me this year, best picture, they're finally going to be like, no, we're nominating 10. We're not doing seven. We're not doing nine. We're doing 10. And I'm finally. Like, yeah, do it. It advertises movies. Isn't that what we're here to do? Yeah. So we've got Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up. 
Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. There you go. Where's this going to go? Man. Oof. Yeah, that's a hard... Like, I don't see Nightmare Alley winning. It's a very good film, but I think this was more of a respect thing for just how well put together it was and the cast and the directing. Like, But I don't really see it. It's kind of dark. It's kind of long. Like, I, I just... It doesn't seem... I would love it if it did because we love Guillermo del Toro, but I think it's probably going to be something more like, geez, I don't even know, West Side Story? <laughs> yeah, like Licorice Pizza, highly unlikely. Mm-hmm. Coda, highly unlikely. I could see King Richard. Like yeah. people love a feel-good sportsy type thing. So we don't think we got our "you're being kicked off of Zoom" warning from Zoom. So we think we've rambled on. So we're gonna just quickly wrap things up by mentioning the movies that are screening at the Mayfair from Friday, February 11th through Thursday, February 17th, and then we'll get out of here. We've already talked about a bunch of these, but upcoming we have Dune, which we just said a bunch of nice things about. So good. Then we have House of Gucci, which I think got 100% snubbed, right? Oh, no, no. It got that one for makeup and hairstyle. Oh, makeup. Okay. So it got one. Oscar-nominated House of Gucci. Oscar, so that's two Oscar-nominated films. All right. Then the original Shaft, an Oscar winner. Oh, yeah. For best song. Classic. Then we have our James Bond Festival continuing with From Russia With Love. Then the Oscar-snubbed My Bloody Valentine. Oh, so good. And Canadian, I mean, I could talk for an hour about that, but I won't, but amazing. R.I.P. Paul Kelman, the co-star. Yeah, we just happened to play that when this great genre character actor passed away, and we're playing that for Valentine's Day. Perfect. Then we are playing Casablanca, which always does well Mm. for us, and it's the 80th anniversary of the film. So it's a double down, Valentine's slash... 80th anniversary we might usually ramble on about these more but we talked about the oscars for so long yeah that we don't want to have a hour-long podcast we like to keep it at least half an hour to 45 minutes or so the important thing is you're playing dune and my buddy valentine on my mom's 75th birthday on the 15th so she's very touched yeah she's gonna come for a double bill wear a party hat yeah it's happening i'm excited to see dune which i have not seen yet because i figured we would get it and House of Gucci, because I've heard contrary accounts of it's a masterpiece or a very enjoyable train wreck. Mm-hmm. And I want to see either of those things. So, okay. So thanks for listening, everybody. We, fingers crossed, will be back next week with a podcast where we are all in the same room on fancy yeah. microphones with better sound. Fingers crossed. Yeah. We thank you for putting up with these last couple of weeks because... Ottawa is in a weird position and poor Eric is trapped at home and next week hopefully we'll be free free from tyranny yeah free from trapped under so many cats here just doing my best to stay alive and Barda my puppy dog slept through this whole thing so I won't have to edit out her running around and playing with squeaky toys as I did last time that was fun but you know this was good too (laughs) yeah okay thanks for listening everybody and we'll see you soon at the Mayfair and we'll see you next week on the Mayfair Theatre Podcast bye Bye. Now it's time to start my uh, campaign of Nick Cage was snubbed from the Oscars <laughs> yet again, like every year. Picketing outside. So, there's still time, at least. In this town on Valentine's Day, everybody loses their heart. <laughs> it looks like Harry Warden's back in town. In the town of Valentine Bluffs. There are many ways to die. Take your pick. My bloody valentine.